welcome to Dr. Lovely's Couch Cafe. It's your host, Dr. Lovely here. Well, as we get down to the next three, 13, 14, and 15, it was nice. Um, it has been nice anyway. Getting this word in. Elevating oneself. Growing. Um, I had a conversation with my youngest son today. And I was telling him um, the importance of getting his life situated to God and um, lining things up appropriately so that everything works according to his favor. And he was telling me about how frustrated he was with his job. So he works customer service for a um, company, an insurance company. They, you know, do the contracts for, you know, automobile insurance. Not um, accidental, but, you know, covering the... the, um, the engine and so forth, you know, like that kind of thing. And he said he's like tired because people always call him mad. And he said it kind of sucks because the company is set up where most of us don't really understand the contracts. So what I mean by that, for example, like one guy bought a car. And they put these wheels on the car. And I think the wheels had like, um, I think like 20, 24s on them or something like that. And the car got jacked up. So if you alter your car in any way, and it something happens to it. The insurance company won't cover it. So the guy is pissed because he bought the car with those wheels on it. And the car dealership sold it to him that way. So he's like, they sold me the car this way. I didn't touch this car. But it doesn't matter because the policy is the policy. And he said that it's been so frustrating for him because he can't help anyone. So his hands are tied. And he just said it's just frustrating to come home every day after being yelled at all day at work. And he's like, the black people are the worst. And he was telling me about a scenario where the guy, the black dude, told, told him he, he was like, um, that's why I don't like white people anyway. And my brother, my son was like, uh, yeah, dude, I'm not, I'm not white, I'm black. Oh, that's even worse. I'm like, nigga. <laughs> so, <laughs> it just really sucks. So, I, you know... I told him, you know, sometimes we look at things differently. Um, I know there's some situations that 
um, has happened over the course of the past months that, you know, it was the way I was looking at it. And, um, and because of my perspective on it, God was already dealing with me on it, but because I was frustrated, my frustrations, um, got the better of me and I made certain actions, which was worse off for me. Um, this is why you always hear me, you know, utilizing my experiences to help you to understand how, you know, certain things work. So, um, I want to provoke you tonight. Um, I want to provoke you to really think, um, deeply about what's being said. Because a lot of times we don't really pay attention to what God is really saying to us. And taking in those things into consideration makes a big deal as to what we benefit from him. And um, which alleviates some strife. So basically what we're seeing with um, the book of Jeremiah is... It's like him saying Israel on trial in essence, right? And the interesting thing about law is before you present your case, there's a whole lot of research that you have to do. And they have a team of people that work together to get this case um, airtight. And you just can't walk before the judge with just anything. Because if you do, the probability of you actually winning is just going to be, you know, detrimental. I mean, it's just not going to happen. So you have to lay out everything in order to build your case. And if we look at the way we view the prophets from that perspective, is God is building his case. Because notice he kept saying, um, put me on trial. Bring forth your proof that the things that I required of you were so difficult for you to comprehend or follow through. Where you decided to to change it all bring forth your proof so now you get to we at chapter 12 and Jeremiah is is petitioning God like hey um you got listen you got people trying to kill me And how is this beneficial for me or you? So now he making his case. And for all the prophets, they always had to measure up and say, well, these nations are destroying the people you say you love. And if you love them, you 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 shouldn't want to see them being destroyed. But God makes his case by saying, This is what I required. 
Tell me what I'm saying is wrong. Tell me if I'm being irrational. It's like sitting down and having a conversation with someone about your feelings and how you feel. And they don't take into consideration what you're saying to them. Because the only thing they can see is their own point of view. And if you come into a place where all you can see is your own point of view, then it's refuted. To even keep trying to get somebody to see it that way. Yeah, what's up, baby? So what you end up doing is just giving up. Because truly what happens is no matter what way you bring it, the person is, his ear is deaf to you and they don't want to hear what you're saying. That's exactly what he said in the readings we had yesterday when he talked about the Adler or the venomous snake. Well, they don't have ears, so therefore they cannot hear. But they do operate with that vibration. But he says, me speaking to the people through you is falling to deaf ears. And no matter how much I keep talking to get the people to change, the more I keep seeking for them to make those changes the more they dig in their heels and they won't listen. So what else do I have? Because I tried reasoning with them. I tried communicating with them about what I asked for them. If, if, if God is, is asking something of us and we decide we don't want to hear nor comply then what will he have left? And the thing about it is this, because we, we have this narrative now today where people are like, well, why would God want to punish people? I mean, like, that just don't make sense to me. That's human attributes. But what you learn, right, in Genesis, he said, I made man in my image. If he made man in his image, who's to say that we have or, or we're trying to make God have human attributes. He literally told you he was made in his image. So therefore, the anger and frustration are attributes of who? God. It's how we view things. So as we go into the next parts of this, this scripture, I want you to really think about what I just said. And I want you to think about a time in your life when someone has come to you with an issue and pleaded on your behalf to hear them and you didn't consider what they had to say. And I want you to look at it from the perspective that they constantly kept asking you something. And no matter how much they ask you to change that, 
you refuse to change it. And then I want you to think about the consequences of you rejecting what someone was saying to you. And my last thing would be if it was worth it if you had listened to the first plea or if it wasn't and you gained something from not listening. Verse 1, so said Yehoah to me, go and buy yourself a linen girdle and put it on your loins and do not put water in it. What he means by do not put water in it, to wash it when it was soaked with sweat in order that it hastened the decay. And I brought the girdle according to the word of Yehoah, and I put it on my loins. And the word of Yehoah came to me a second time, saying, Take the girdle that you bought and rise. Go to Parath and hide it there in the cleft of a rock. And I went and hid it in Parath. As Jehovah had commanded me. And it came to pass at the end of my days that Jehovah said to me, Arise, go to Perath, and take from there the girdle which I commanded you to hide there. And I went to Perath, and I dug and took the girdle from the place where I had hidden it. And behold, the girdle was rotten. It was of no use for anything. And the word of Yahweh said unto me, came unto me, saying, So said Yahweh. So will I destroy the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. This evil people who refuse to hearken to my words, who follow the view of their heart, and they followed other gods to worship them and to prostrate themselves to them. And it came, I'm sorry. And it shall be like this girdle, which is of no use for anything. Father God in heaven. I want you to think about what it feels like to know that someone support you. I want you to think about what it feels like. 
when you grew up with not much support. And when we finally find people to believe in us. People we can depend on. No matter what the situation is, when you call on them, they're there for you. There's nothing like feeling useless. And I recall this week I had a session, an intake session with a young 15-year-old boy. And his words to me was, at times I feel like I'm not smart enough. That I don't measure up. And I told him, I said, you know what? I know how that feels. I said, imagine being 30 years old and never believing you were smart until one day somebody said to you, I'm disappointed in you. And the reason why I'm disappointed is because you took the easy way out. And you didn't have to do that. Because you're brilliant. I left school that day and I had a conversation with my ex-husband and I said, you know, I never really thought of myself being smart. I said, but on the ride home, I thought about all of the things that I was capable of doing with not much effort. And it was then that I realized how smart I really was. And I told him that sometimes We are our own worst enemies. And I told him, I said, don't wait till you're my age to realize that you're being so hard on yourself and understanding mistakes that we make are mistakes. It's the same thing I told my son today. It's okay to make mistakes. But the thing I want you to understand is is it's important to learn from your mistakes. I wanted him to understand that I wasn't going to push him nor make him make decisions for his life. But I told him that it's your life. And even if you're making the wrong decision, it's yours to make. I'm just glad you consulted with me. And I'm going to tell you what I think. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. And it is.
The only thing you can control is yourself. But there is nothing like God having or losing hope in us. That's when you know you're not going to be make, make it. It tells you how frustrated God was with his people. And you shall say this word to them. So said. Ehoah Eloheinu of Israel. Every bottle will be filled with wine. And they shall say to you. Do we not know that every battle I'm sorry, do we not know that every bottle is filled with wine? And you shall say to them, So says Yehoah, Behold, I will fill all the inhabitants of the land, and the kings who sit upon David's throne, and the priests and the prophets and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with drunkenness. Drunkenness. Why? Because when people are drunk, they're at their most vulnerable point. And they're not aware of particular dangers. And that's a very place, bad place to be in. My whole life, I've only been drunk maybe two or three times. Because losing that kind of control is a very hard thing for me. And I will dash them against the other. And the fathers and the sons together says Yehoah and I will neither pity nor will I spare nor will I have compassion not to destroy them. Yeah, he sounds like he's fed up. But we haven't learned to reverence nor respect him. The understanding of Dash them 
against one another. I will dash them against one another until they break into pieces like a potter's vessel. This is in Psalms 2 and 9. You shall, shall you scatter them, dash your babies, and so is every expression of. I will dash one against another. And in, in, in that essence, it sounds like they're going to destroy themselves. And if you look around you, and you think about all the things that is going on around us in the world today, are they not destroying themselves? Or destroying one another? Hearken and give ear. Do not be proud. For Yehoah is spoken. Give Yehoah your Elohim honor before it becomes dark. And before your feet stumble on the dark mountains. And you shall hope for light. You shall hope for light, but he will make it into darkness and making it into a thick cloud. I'm recalled in Exodus where it talks about the darkness that plagued the city in Egypt right before they came out of the land. And it said that the darkness was so thick that you could feel it. That descriptor is very important. Because I don't know if you know what it's like being in the dark and sensing that something there is malevolent. You don't know what it is, but that eerie feeling that you have when the lights are out. The representation of that thick darkness in a way that it causes you to be fearful because you can't find your way out of it. And if you do not hearken to it, in secret my soul will weep because of your pride. And my eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears, for Jehovah's flock has been captured. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet because he cried so much. For the salvation of his people. But not only did he cry for the salvation of his people. But he cried because he understood what was coming. And he didn't want to see his people endure what was coming. And it was so hard for him to see this thing. That he kept weeping on their behalf. And mind you he's petitioning. 
to God on the behalf of the people. So not only do you have God petitioning the people through the prophet, but you have the prophet petitioning God for the people. There is nothing like having someone besides you that is willing to go all the way with you. And there is nothing like fighting for people who don't even appreciate you fighting for them. Like Moses. He fought and pled for the people. But yet and still the same people that he was fighting for, the same people that he was pleading to, saying, please, please, please stop. Please listen to me. Hear what I have to say. Because if you don't hear me, it's going to get real bad. It's going to get real worse. I promise you, please just listen to me. Do the thing that God has told you to do. If you don't do it, it's only going to get worse. But you know our people. They deaf in the air. And they braze up at you. And there is nothing you can do to save them from themselves. Come on, somebody. Because of your pride, let's break that down. Because of your greatness, which will be curtailed, pulled from up under you. Because of the pride of the kingdom of heaven that will be given over to the idols of Babylon. You set up a holy nation to be an example. That all the nations would follow suit after that which they adhered to. Mind you, they all knew. They knew. That when Israel was right with God, he kept them. There is nothing the other nations could do against them. They knew this. But the only thing that would keep God from intervening on their behalf is their unrighteousness. Eighteen, say to the king and to the queen mother, sit in a low place, for your greatness has come down. The crown of your glory. Your greatness has come down. And Jehoiakim, the king, came out to him 
he and his mother and his servants. And he led all of them into exile. Come on, let's go. Because your protection now is here. But if you stay here, you're going to die. <laughs> and the cities of the south are shut up. And there is none to open them. All of Judah has been exiled. She was exiled peacefully. Understanding of the cities of the south are shut up. Before those coming up upon them from the north, the city of Eretz, in Jerusalem are shut up because of fear of Nebuchadnezzar. They sieged the city and they were in a standstill. She was exiled peacefully. Jehoiakim will not wage war, but he will come out peacefully and he shall exile them. Another interpretation is that it is to say she was exiled as the recompense for their iniquity. The recompense of their sins was received. After your eyes I'm sorry, lift up your eyes and see those coming from the north. Where is the flock that was given you, the sheep of your glory? What will you say when he visits upon you? When you accustom them to be princes over you? at your head will not pay seize you like a woman in confinement a woman in confinement when a woman's cycle was on they had bathhouses and places where they would go so seven days they wouldn't be at home they would go into these particular places of holding and this is what they're talking about. The confinement is where the women would go for seven days when they were on the cycle. Because it was considered, un it is considered unlawful for her to lay with him during her cycle. Excuse me. And when the understanding of when you accustom them to be princes at your head, you sent emissaries to the Chaldean to bring their idols from there to worship them. As it is written in Ezekiel 23 and 6. Teen. And she lusted 
for them at the sight that reached her eyes and she sent messengers to them to the land of the Chaldeans. Another explanation is Hezekiah who showed the emissaries of Marduk Benadad his entire treasure house. It's in Isaiah 39 and 2. 39 and 2 says Hezekiah rejoiced over them and he showed them his entire treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the good oils, and the entire house in which he kept his vessel, and everything that was found in his treasure. There was nothing that Hezekiah did not show them in his palace and in his kingdom. The other precept is Second Kings chapter 20 and 13. And that is, and Hezekiah listed, listened to them, and he showed them his entire treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, and the good oil, and the entire house in which he kept his vessels, and everything that was found in his treasury. There was nothing that Hezekiah did not show them in his palace and in his kingdom. So he was bragging. Showing off what he had. And if you say in your heart, why have these befallen me? For the greatness of your iniquity were your skirts uncovered, your steps cut off, because they were exposed. While a Cushite change will a Cushite change his skin? It's a Kushite. It's, it's the same as an Ethiopian today. So he's saying, can an African change his skin or a leopard his spots? So will you be able to improve? You will have become accustomed to do evil. Father. Let's, let's read that one more time. Will a Kushite or Ethiopian change his skin or a leopard his spots so will you be able to improve you who have become accustomed to do evil what was the issue they had become accustomed to it it was a commonplace they were used to it it's like the way we live today We've become accustomed to things. This is why I used to always ask my students. If you hear this statement, what does it make you think of? If you give me the youth and I will control the world. If you give me the youth, I'll control the world. Why would Hitler state that? Because he understood 
that young people being exposed to certain things, you have their mind. And once you have their mind, you have their will and they will follow you anywhere. And the worst thing for any dictator is a person that thinks for themselves. Because you're going to challenge their authority. And when you've been accustomed to do evil, to do the correct thing is impossible. When you become accustomed to do evil, you're going to fight against anyone that is trying to get you to see something different. When you become accustomed to doing evil, doing right just don't fit. And that's why we're in the state of mind we're in. Because we've become accustomed to do evil. And anything other than that is foreign and rejected. And I will scatter them like straw that passes with the wind to the desert. This is your lot, the portion of your measures from me, says Yehoah. For you have forgotten me and you have trusted in falsehood. Father, niggas, listen. I know you will say. Where have I forgotten God? I pray every night. Where have I forgotten God? I believe he exists. But do you truly understand the heart of God? Do you truly understand what he requires of you? And I also have uncovered your skins. I'm sorry, shit. Father. <laughs> I and I have also and I have uncovered your skirts over your face. And your disgrace has been seen. Your adversary I'm sorry, your adulteries and your neighbors. And the thoughts of your holotry. On hills and in the field, I have seen your abominations. Woe to you, Jerusalem. You shall not become purified. After when shall it come? Shit. (laughs) After when shall shall it ever be? Chapter 14 and 1. The word of Yahuwah came to Jeremiah concerning droughts. That he would bring famine upon them. And Menamine classified it as an expression of fornication. Like in Isaiah 25 and 12. It says, and the fortress of the strength of your walls 
he humbled. He brought it low, and it reached the earth, dust, down in the dust. And in verse 2, Judah mourns, and her cities are cut off. They have become blackened to the ground. And the cry of Jerusalem is risen. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. You didn't believe me when I told you. You didn't listen when I warned you. And now you can hear. Famine in the land. My baby was crying today. He was like, I'm going to get food stamps. I was like, nigga, you can't get no food stamps. He said, man, mom, food is so high. Yeah, it is. And it ain't going to go down. And their mighty ones have sent their youths for water. And they have come upon pits. And have found no water. Their vessels have returned empty. They have been ashamed and confounded. And have covered their heads. Because the earth was broken. For there was no rain on the earth. Farmers were ashamed. They covered their heads. Father. For also the hen of the field was born and abandoned for there was no grass. So not only did the people not have nothing, the animals didn't have anything either. And the wild donkey stood by the streams. They grasped for air like jackals. Their eyes filled for their is no harbage. If our iniquities have testified against us, ah, oh, shit, here they come. Oh, Yehoah, do for your name's sake, for our backsliding have increased. We have sinned to you. Ah, oh, shit, niggas, when you get hungry, you know how to get your life together then. Oh, God, don't beat me down. It's going to be rough. Niggas, that's the way it's going to be. Do for your name's sake. Do what you will do with us for the sake of the great name that has spread about you, that you rule over all, and that we are your people And the flock of your pasture. And it is not fitting that you give your victorious name to idols. Ah, shit. Look at them. Look at them. I told y'all, when we don't have or when we go through, we know God then. Eight. Oh, hope of Israel, 
his savior at time of trouble. Why should you be like a stranger in the land and like a a wayfarer who stands... Shit. (laughs) And like a wayfarer who turns aside to lodge. Why should you be like a man overcome, like a mighty man, unable to save. For you are in our midst, O Yehovah. Your name is called upon us. Forsake us not. Oh, niggas got humility now, don't they? They got humility now. So says Yehovah to this people. Notice how he said that. To this people. Niggas. Oh, niggas. <laughs> you know he fruit. He's all over it. So have they loved to wander. They have not kept their feet back. Therefore, Yehovah did not accept them. Now he will remember their iniquity and visit their sin upon them. Uh, it's only... You only crying now because you ain't got shit. Now you know my name. You know my name now, huh? All right. You know my name. Now you know my name. Now you can hear. Now you ready. (laughs) Come on, y'all. So, just as I have decreed upon them exile to Egypt and Babylon they loved it there to go they loved it they loved it there to go into exile to worship distant idols oh yeah we we going to go into other lands cuz we can do what we want to do over there see ain't nobody going to judge us cuz we cuz we were the other people it's fine we good Now we get to do it. And Yehovah said to me, do not pray for this people for good. (laughs) Oh, Father, help your people. It's, It's getting real bad for them right now. Help them, Father. Uh uh. Don't pray for them. No. No. Now, how do we get something different in the church? I know y'all, nobody liked the Old Testament God. They think he mean. They don't want to hear this. This is this is not what they want. Because they get to keep doing what they want to do. You keep You get to keep doing what you choose to. It's easier now. Because think about it. If the land is tied to them doing right. And they're no longer in it. Then. Now I can do what I want. And there. Be no repercussion. Because we ain't in our land. So we can go worship the other idols. In, in foreign lands. Because that's what we're going to do. So it's like an answer. Or a loophole, in essence, yeah.
Hmm. If they fast, I will not hearken to their prayer. And if they offer up a burnt offering or a meal offering, I do not accept them. But I will utterly destroy them with the sword and with famine and with pestilence. Just as it says in Deuteronomy 28. But mind you now, God says he doesn't hear the prayers of sinners. So it requires a righteous person to pray on your behalf. Just saying. And I said, oh, Yehoah, our Elohim. Behold, the prophets say to them, you will see no sword. Neither will you have a famine. I will give you a true peace in this city. Oh, shit. Oh, the other prophets is prophet lion. We got a whole bunch of prophet liars around here. Hundred dollars. Come on, I'm going to give you a blessing. Bring your money down. And Yehoah said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name. And I did not send them, neither did I command them, nor did I speak to them. A false vision, divination, a thing of naught, and the deceit of their heart, they prophesy to you. Father God in heaven, help us. Therefore, so says Yehoah concerning the prophets who prophesy in my name, although I have not sent them. And they say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. These prophets shall perish by the sword and the famine. And the people to which they prophesy shall be cast into the streets of Jerusalem because of the famine and the sword, and no one will bury them. They, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, and I will pour out upon them their evil. And you shall say this word to them. May my eyes run down with tears day and night and not be silent. For the virgin daughter of my people is broken with a great breach, a very grievous blow. If I go out to the field, behold, the slain of the sword. If I go to the city and behold, those Ill with famine, for even the prophet and even the priests have gone around to the land, which they had not known. Have you indeed rejected Judah? Has your soul despised Zion? Why have you spent us? And we have no cure. We hope for peace. But there is no good. And for a time of healing. But behold there is only terror. 
we know, O Yehovah, our wickedness, the iniquity of our forefathers, for we have sinned against you. Do not command us for your name's sake. I'm sorry. Do not condemn us for your name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember, do not break your covenant with us. Ah, oh, shit. Now, we are reminding him now, huh? Oh, come on here now. Are there among the vanities excuse me, of the nation those who give rain? Does the heaven give raindrops? Is it not you, O Yehovah, our power? Now let us hope for you. For you have done all these. Let's let's break this understanding down. By itself, except by your command. This is the in, interrogative form. In every double question, the first question is preceded by a hey. And the second one with um a yod and dalit like number 13 and 19 i believe it says and what of the land their inhabitant is it good or bad and what of the cities in which they reside are they in camps or fortresses. Have you indeed rejected Judah? Or has your soul despised Zion? Here too are there among the vanities of the nation who gives me rain, does the heaven. Now listen, last chapter 15. Verse 1, and Yehoah said to me, if Moses and Samuel stand before me, I have no desire for this people. Send them away from before my face and let them go forth. Moses and Samuel both are indeed to beg mercy for Israel, but the first I'm sorry, but first they introduce them to repent. And afterwards they pray on their behalf. But they had no idea of turning away my wrath until they had reduced them to repent. Moses Exodus 32 and 27 says, Let each man put his sword. And he, and he scattered it on the surface of the water. And afterwards, verse 30, I will send to Jehovah. Perhaps I will atone. Samuel 7, 4, and 5. It says, the children of Israel remove the Balaam 
and afterwards gather all Israel to Mitzvah, and I shall pray to Jehovah on your behalf. But you cannot bring them back to me. Therefore, do not pray for them. So he's telling them, him that, two intercessors paid on the behalf of the people. And they were able to give them a return. But not even Moses and Samuel can get these folks to change their mind. Because that's how stubborn they become. Verse 2. And it shall be if they say to you, where shall we go? You shall say to them, so says Jehovah, such as are for death to death and for such as are for the sword to the sword and such as are for famine to the famine and such as are for captivity to the captivity. Each calamity mentioned later in the verse is harsher than the one preceding it. The sword is harsher than death. Death by the sword is defacing, whereas death in bed is not defacing. It also says in Psalms 116 and 5, Precious in the eyes of Jehovah is the death of his saints. Famine is harsher than the sword, for there is one as agonizing, whereas the other is not agonizing. And also in Scripture states, in Limitations 4 and 9. Better are those who die from the sword than those who die from famine. Captivity, all sorts of death are in it, which is true. Verse, five, verse 3. And I will appoint over them four families, says Jehovah, the sword to slay and the dogs to drag, and the fowl of the heaven, and the beast of the earth to devour and destroy. Father. Let's take it back to the slave trade. Those dogs stayed nipping at your heels. And they hung you outside and left you there. And no one can move you. So the birds of the air and the animals would eat the carcasses because they were left out. And I will make them. And not only that, to not be buried is dishonorable. And I will make them in a, a whore to all the kingdom uh, kingdoms of the earth because of Manasseh the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for all that he did in Jerusalem. It 
And it was because of his pride. And anyone who hears the evil that has befallen you will shudder. And I take it back to this particular passage. Let me see if I can find it right quick. I got lost again, doggone it. Okay, there I was. Okay, here is one um thing I I, I found. Um it says according to Islamic religious teaching, some Jews conformed the authenticity of Muhammad's prophethood and joined them. Most Jews, however, are condemned for both rejecting the prophet and failing to live up to their own religious imperatives. So basically, their view of the Hebrew people were because they said that God left us And because he left us, they could do anything they wanted to. It wasn't just the the, the, um, Mohammedans, as they used to call them back in the day before people start calling them Muslims. Um, Even white people wrote about these things. They wrote about how God had left the people. And that's why they understood it would be okay for them to take him. It's like how Christopher Columbus said it was the fulfillment of Isaiah as to the reason why he came to the Americas. It was fulfillment of a prophecy of them going into captivity. And that and therefore he was excited or he was happy about fulfilling um or, or taking them into bondage. So when you have so many writings um, talking about the reason why they enslaved the Hebrew people is because they knew that God had left the people and their protection was no longer there. Come on. Let's get to it now. Excuse me. For who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? And who will lament over you? And who will turn aside to acts of your welfare? Father. You have forsaken me, says Jehovah. You shall go backwards, and I have stretched out my hand over you and destroyed you. I am weary of repenting, and I windowed, winnowed them with a sa- shit with a salve in the cities of the earth. 
I defeat, I destroy my people. They have not returned from their ways. His win- his widows are to me more numerous than the sands of Father. Yeah. Oh yeah. The his widows are to me more numerous than the sands of the sea. Meaning there are so many women without husbands. That is too many to name. I have brought them upon the mother, a chosen one who will rob them at noonday. And I have cast upon their suddenly a city of terrors. A mom. Listen, he's saying that we'll give birth to wicked children that will rob their own mothers in in the middle of the day. Don't we see that now? Don't we see the fact that, that, that there are people who have no regard of authority figures? See, in psychology, you can't diagnose a child with um, narcissism. They call it ODD, um, oppositional defiant disorder. With their children or psych- psychopathic children in the making. She who bore seven has been cut off. Her soul grieves. Her son sits when it is still day. She is ashamed and confounded, and her remnant I shall deliver to the sword before their enemies, says Jehovah. And you want to know why there's so much destruction and mayhem in our communities. These single women whose sons will be a menace to society. Is that is that not what I'm reading now? Let me let me read it again. She who bore seven has been cut off. Her soul grieves. Her sun sets when it is still day. She is ashamed and confounded in her remnant. I shall deliver to the sword before their enemies, says Yehoah. Her sun set before or while it's still day, meaning her the eyes go out. <laughs> If your son said in the middle of the day, that means you did.
Samaria and the nations of the ten tribes, from whom rose seven dynasties of wicked kings, has already been cut off in exile. And the remnant, the explanation of that is these are Judah and part of Benjamin who remained in Israel. I shall deliver them to the sword. These are the seven dynasties. Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and his dynasty. Baasha and his dynasty. Omari and his dynasty. Jehu and his dynasty. Naamin and his dynasty. Pekah and his dynasty. And Hoshea and his dynasty. Her soul grieves. Explanation is an expression. We translate in Deuteronomy 28 and 65. And grieving of the soul. Before it's time, they hasten to fall. In this in this manner, it is expounded in. Track, yeah, I ain't even finna go there with that. That there, it is expounded as referring to Jerusalem, and he counts seven wicked men. And in, in, in Jerusalem, those seven wicked men were. Jerome, Joash, Atz, Manasseh, Amon, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. But there are yet to count Rehoboam, Abijah, Amatsa, and uh, Aza. And it's, it's, it's an expression of shame. Woe unto me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of quarrel and a man of content to the whole land. I have not lent, nor have they lent to me. Yet, they all curse me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Woe unto me, he says, my mother, that you bore me. Woe unto me that you gave birth to me. Even though I'm a quarrelsome man. A man of contention, always ready to fight. Ain't that the niggas where we live? Ain't these the actions of niggas? Quarrelsome and contentious? All they do is fight with one another. Where do you find love and acceptance in the hood? Understanding and compassion. 
All we do is quarrel with one another and contend, stand our ground. We be wrong, but we stand on it. In all its splendor, no problem. Talk to us, Father. Said Yahweh. Verily, I will leave you over for good. Verily, I will cause them to beg you in the time of famine and in the time of distress with your enemy. Now I know why God wants me to read this. Because this shit is coming again. It's cyclical. Leave you over. Let's get to the explanation of that. Let's break that down. I will leave you over. An expression of a remnant in this manner. Interpreted as an expression of release. The untying knots. The interpretation of it is set. It is stated in um, forty and four, fourth verse. Behold, I have, I have released you from the chains that are on your hand. That is to say, on that day. That Yehoah fulfilled his word. It was said to him. That now. Behold. I have released you today. From the chains. That are on your hand. If it pleases you to come. With me to Babylon. And said. And also. Israel begged. Him to pray for them. And it was said to him. Pray on your behalf. I'm sorry. Pray on our behalf to Yehoah, our God. For we remain few from many. It's not much of us left. Can you pray for us? Can you come and pray for us? Can you speak to God on our behalf? Because what's going on in my life is too much. And I don't know what to do. Trouble on every end. The more I try to do, the more I lose. I'm going to say it again. Like I said earlier, reflect on it. Reflect on the time when someone was diligently trying to get you to see a point. And they were pleading for you to just do what you were asked to do. And no no matter how often they plead, you got mad. 
and you bucked up and you stood in it ten toes deep. And the more they tried to appeal to you, the more calamity came on your head. The harder it was to stay afloat. It seemed like trouble was coming from every direction. Was it beneficial for you to listen? Or was it beneficial for you not to have listened? Will iron break iron from the north and copper? Excuse me. I say that iron that comes from the north is harder than the iron in this interpretation. They are compared to iron above in 6-28 going tail during the copper and iron and concerning Jeremiah, it is stated above, I have made you into the iron pillar and into copper walls. And his is stronger than theirs, for Nebuchadnezzar will come upon them according to his word. And he said that. In Deuteronomy 28, right? That your that your skies will be of iron and your um ground will be as brass, like you're going to like you're going to jail. Jail. The reference is, is jail. Going into captivity. Taken. And never live the life you you lived before. Excuse me. Will break. Will their iron break yours? Another explanation. Will Pharaoh, who comes to your aid, who is harder? I'm sorry, who is hard as iron? Break Nebuchadnezzar, who is iron that comes from the north and copper. Turk- <laughs> Listen, because remind you, they went to seek assistance from Egypt. But God is asking, is Egypt greater than Nebuchadnezzar, Babylon? Was he greater? Hell no. Even though they were more a more established kingdom, the Assyrians attacked them. So they had already been wounded by war prior to them coming to them saying, Hey, these Babylonians on our heels. Why don't we work together to get this that we can protect ourselves? Well, I'd was it niggas. 
if you just got out of a war and someone trying to take your ass in there again, you don't have enough resources because you burnt all your resources from the last war you had. So you're going into another war? Ah, uh, shit. You ain't going to make it. And they didn't. Your riches and your treasures I have, I will give for a plunder, not for a pe- for a price. And for all your sins and throughout all your boundaries. This is God already telling you. I'm about to take your money from you. You ain't going to have no money. You think you about to put something away, you won't have none. Now it's gone. Now what you going to do? In every turn, he's removing everything that you rely on to make your life sustainable. Because after he remove it all, that's normally when people learn humility. But some people never learn humility. Period. And I will cause you to pass over to your enemies in the land that you do not know. For a fire burns in my nostrils. It shall be kindled against you. You know, O Yehoah, remember me and think of me and avenge me of my pursuers. Take me not to your long, I mean, your long suffering. Now I bore grace. For your sake. Ah, oh, niggas, we talking now, huh? We know how to we know how to petition to God. Come on, God, talk to us. Help us now. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your word was to me a joy. And a rejoicing of my heart. And your name was called upon me. O Yahuwah Sabaoth. I do not sit in the council. Of merry makers. Nor did I rejoice. Because of your hand. I sat in. Salations. For you Filled me with fury. Why was my pain perpetual and my wound grievous? It was refused to heal. You are to me as a falling spring, a waterfall, water that is not faithful. Come on here. Why does he say they're not faithful? Because truly, they're only sorry because they're in captivity. They're only sorry because their life is now hard. Because if they were sorry, they would have done it long before. So now you're going to cry out. 
I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry because I didn't listen. And if I had known you was going to do this to me, then I would have said I'm sorry long before now. It wasn't in their heart to change seriously. He understood that soon as they got back in comfortability, they would go back to the same thing they did before. Because they had no loyalty towards him. Think about it now. You always hear me talk about how we don't... um, We make excuses. We make all kinds of excuses. For why we can't do what's correct. Therefore, so says Jehovah. If you turn, I will return to you. You will stand before me. And if you take the precious out of the veil, you shall be as my mouth. Let them return to you. But you shall not return to them. Therefore, because I suffer from these troubles, so said Jehovah. If you return, you, Israel, through me, and I will return you to him. He said to me, you will stand before me. In a place where it says, And if you take precious out of the veil, if you take precious, that's what I thought I saw. Take, take a poised man from a wicked man. If you bring him to repentance. Well, if you can bring somebody right, you if you can do it, we'll be all right. If you can get somebody to do it, mind you, he wasn't able to get the people to turn away. For I make a decree and you annul it. Let them turn return to you, but you shall not return to them. Let them return to your word. But you shall not return to stray after them. And I will make you for this nation into a fortified copper wall. And they shall fight against you. This is him talking to Jeremiah now. But they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you to redeem you. And to save you, says Jehovah. And I will save you from the hand of the wicked. And I will redeem you from the hand of the trouble. So basically, they're having this dialogue, him and God, Jeremiah and God, about the actions and the deeds of the people. 
And as he's petitioning on their behalf, God is already telling them that they're going to come against him again. Because they already came against him before. It was his father, the ringleader. But he said he would be there with him as they rose up against him. Because you know niggas don't like to be told. He feels like he in harm's way. But God was ensuring him like he when he did when he first told him. Just like he said he couldn't speak. Because he was just a child. But he grew into establishing himself as a credible messenger or a credible um, mediator. Now, before we go, Neeks, I got two things I want you to hear. And then we'll be done. I don't know what I did with it. There it is. Mm. Oh, here it is. Is down here. Okay, now can you give me? So this is um a health committee meeting in Tennessee. These are government officials talking, and I want you to hear what they're saying. Now, here you go. Example of a food that's a vaccine? You recognize? Yes, sir. Uh, University of California, Riverside, has already perfected the ability to put human vaccines into our lettuce right now. Also, also tomatoes has the ability to do that also for UC Berkeley. And then uh, Big Tobacco, R.J. Reynolds and stuff, has perfected the ability to put a human vaccine into tobacco products. Human vaccine in lettuce, tomatoes. And tobacco. Niggas smoke cigarettes like nobody's business. But tobacco ain't just cigarettes. Tobacco products, period. That are made in the good old USA. Chairman Clements. And is that even legal to do in the state of Tennessee to sell those with a vaccine in them? Uh, well, I, I'm not arguing that point. What I'm saying is there is no law deeming those that when you go into a grocery store, you should know as a consumer, this head of lettuce is a head of lettuce. The head of lettuce right next to it could contain a vaccine in it. All we're saying is if it does have the vaccine in it, make sure it's listed as a pharmaceutical so people can get the proper dosage. And my question is, is right now. 
Did you hear what the nigga said? Make sure that it is listed so that people can get the proper dosage. Y'all ass be thinking I'll be crazy. Making up all kinds of crazy shit. When I was telling y'all ass they've been doing this shit for a while. And if they doing it to your goddamn vegetables, you don't think they doing all that shit to the prepackaged foods y'all ass is getting? Which I said, but here's your proof from your own government officials telling you the same shit. Now, can you walk into a grocery store and there be a let- head of lettuce for sale that has a vaccine in it? I don't think that's allowed under state law presently. And if it is, and you have to list it as a pharmaceutical. pharmaceutical. And my thought, too, is why the fuck you got to hide it? If it's if it's supposed to be good for you. Why the fuck are you hiding the shit? Tell me that. Tell me why would you hide it? And what kind of vaccine is it? You get... All right, y'all, y'all, mm-hmm, yep, yep, yep. Are we going to then have Walgreens pharmacists with a refrigerated section? I mean, how's this going to play out? You recognize. Thank you. This is more of a consumer protection bill right here, is to make sure that if you're going in to buy tomatoes and there's a polio vaccine in there, that you are aware of what you're buying has a polio vaccine. The problem you have is if it's not treated as a pharmaceutical. Why did he just use the term polio? Because they just had another spike in. These are old diseases that people haven't had in years. All of a sudden are making comebacks. Making a comeback. Being the size and difference between you and me, how many tomatoes do I have to eat to get the proper dosage versus how many tomatoes that you have to eat? And if you eat too many, do you get a, a overdose? If you eat too less, like we had in the cattle industry with aramycin, we weren't dosing our cattle properly and the horn flies were developing an immunity to it. If we don't have the proper dosage of a vaccine, it could lead to the efficacy of that drug not, not, not work anymore. You recognize well, I'd like to think I'm more immune to horn flies than you are, but um, I, I, I say that in, uh, jokingly. No, but I, I, right no, now, I, I, my question is just, is, is there a need for this? I understand there's a concern, and yeah, people shouldn't know if there's a vaccine in food. But I, if we can't even sell food with vaccines in it in the state of Tennessee right now, then is this legislation necessary is my question. Well, if you have a child that is allergic to a certain vaccine and it's not disclosed when you go to buy that, that, that vegetable or whatever it is and your child dies from that, I would think that having something in place that's going to make sure that that is treated as a pharmacy. And you wonder why motherfuckers dropping dead out of nowhere and they just healthy as a motherfucking heart horse and then all of a sudden they dropping dead with a heart attack and ain't nobody been sick or nothing's going wrong. People just dropping fucking dead everywhere. Okay so that the consumers know exactly what they're buying. All those in favor of House Bill 1894 say aye. Aye. Opposed? No. 
ayes have it bill goes on to counter and rules if you wish to be recorded as a no uh, please notify the clerk no <laughs> y'all oh man I don't even I ain't got nothing else to say cause I already know I already know um what was the other thing maybe it yeah this is the one Hey, King, somebody got to say this to y'all. A real woman does not care about the amount of bills you have paid or the amount of money you spent if you have not satisfied three conditions. First condition, that you've made her feel loved and secure. Second condition, that she can trust your leadership. Third condition, that she can trust you around other women when she's not around. If you have not satisfied any one of those three things, the amount of money that you spend means nothing, okay? Listen, I can only teach and preach from this because I've went through it, I've had to learn from it, and part of being a kingdom man is being accountable for the way... Did the nigga say part of being a kingdom man? Nigga. A kingdom man. A builder. One who builds. Come on now. Is that we didn't lead our families the right way so that we can lead our families the right way, okay? Men want to be providers. I get it. We want to sacrifice everything and provide everything. But I think a lot of times, and ladies, by the way, men only want to feel appreciated, okay? I'm, I'm giving you all the cheat code. If you want your man to do everything for you, just make him feel appreciated. The moment he don't feel appreciated, he will become a stonewall, and that's something that's not good. And fellas, it's the same thing for your woman. A lot of times we get so wrapped up in the grind and the work that we forget, man, I got a woman at home that needs my love, my non-sexual touch, my affection, my security. We forget that my children need my love, my affection, my security, because all we can think about is the work. And I'm here to Come on, nigga, talk to me. Niggas. I, I think I need to back that up one more time. Or you just make him feel appreciated. The moment he don't feel appreciated, he will become a stonewall, and that's something that's not good. And fellas, it's the same thing for your woman. A lot of times we get so wrapped up in the grind and the work that we forget, man, I got a woman at home that needs my love, my non-sexual touch, my affection, my security. We forget that my children need my love, my affection, my security, because all we can think about is the work. And I'm here to tell y'all that is one of the easiest ways to lose your girlfriend or your spouse by thinking that the only thing that you have to do is provide. It takes so much more than putting food on the table to lead your family in the right way. So, Ooh. Ooh. Father, did you do it? Did you do it again? It takes more than money to lead your family. is beyond monetary. Today, I need you to self-examine. I appreciate the fact that you are willing to do whatever to sacrifice for your family when it comes to money, but what else could you be doing outside of money that you are? Hey, King. So Oof. Oof. Yeah, let, let's just, let's just do it one more time. One more, one more, one more time and take in what's being said. And reflect on this shit deeply. 
somebody got to say this to y'all. A real woman does not care about the amount of bills you have paid or the amount of money you spent if you have not satisfied three conditions. First condition, that you've made her feel loved and secure. Second condition, that she can trust your leadership. Third condition, that she can trust you around other women when she's not around. If you have not satisfied any one of those three things, the amount of money that you spend means nothing, okay? Listen, I can only teach and preach from this because I've went through it, I've had to learn from it, and part of being a kingdom man is being accountable for the way... Hmm. Part of being a kingdom man is to be accountable. Accountability. Accountability. I, 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 I said this. Not only did I say it, I say it all the time. Being accountable for your actions. The part you play. Not listening. You got to be accountable for not listening. For not taking heed. You have to be accountable for it. that we didn't lead our families the right way so that we can lead our families the right way, okay? Men want- we didn't lead our families the right way so we can continue on in leading our families the right way. If you don't lead the right way, it'll fall apart. If you lead it the right way, It will sustain itself, but not only will it sustain, meaning be stable, but it will flourish. It will grow because everybody who encounter what you do will take note and begin to consult, meaning ask questions. And the power behind that transcends other people's relationships. Talk to me. We want to be providers. I get it. We want to sacrifice everything and provide everything. But I think a lot of times, and ladies, by the way, men only want to feel appreciated. Okay, I'm, I'm giving you all the cheat code. If you want your man to do everything for you, just make him feel appreciated. The moment he don't feel appreciated, he will become a stonewall and that's something that's not good. And fellas, it's the same thing for your woman. A lot of times we get so wrapped up in the grind and the work that we forget man, I got a woman at home that needs my love, my non-sexual touch, my affection, my security. We forget that my children need my love, my affection, my security. Because all we can think about is the work. And I'm here to tell y'all that is one of the easiest ways to lose your girlfriend or your spouse by thinking that the only thing that you have to do is provide it takes so much more than putting food on the table to lead your family in the right way so today i need you to self-examine i appreciate the fact that you are willing to do whatever to sacrifice for your family when it comes to money but he said you need to self-examine Inside, look within and evaluate. What else could you be doing outside of money that you want? Hey, King, somebody got to. Well, started today, ain't it? 
All I'm going to say is Salim, Shalom, Shalom, whichever one you choose. Much love and respect. Can you say it with me? Let's do it. Shama Yisrael, Yahuwah Eloheinu, Yahuwah Echad. Yeah, yeah, that part.